0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum, where we talk to thought leaders and game changers. Guys, I'd like to thank you for hopping on. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Ryan Hemhauser of Disgruntled Veterans. Uh, They have one of the largest groups in the world, and they're always willing to help other veterans that are struggling. So definitely check them out, Disgruntled Veterans. Him and his wife do an amazing job. So I'll, I'll leave a link in there. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode um, talking about a thought leader. The gentleman that we're going to talk to, he's a veteran. He's an author. He's a game changer. He's somebody I consider a true friend. My my friend Lane Ballone. How are you, brother?
1: Doing well. And uh, yeah, thanks to the sponsors, Ryan. You know, you guys are doing really good things in the world and uh, glad to be here, brother.
0: So how is your day going? I know everything's been crazy with the new book and doing all, doing all PR and all that.
1: Yeah, no, there's a lot of great things that are happening. Uh, a lot of stuff that Stephen Kuhn, you know, as you know, our brother and uh, the other vetpreneur leader and co-author of Unleash Your Humble Alpha. Uh, we've been chatting half the day and so many great things are happening in the veteran space. And uh, I was really excited uh, for this new chapter of the, of the veteran and uh, a chapter of empowerment.
0: You know, I love that. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into what you're doing now, because I think, you know, everything you're doing with with the group, the group is growing. Everybody's loving it. You know, I've been in a group almost from day one, and I see nothing but great things happening. The quality of life enterprises of your book, you guys got your own swag now. So we're going to get into all that. So tell us a little bit about what made you the man that you are today. Where are you originally from?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma and, uh, you know, my mom raised me along with my sister and we had a, a good childhood growing up. Didn't have much, but we always had exactly what we needed. And I was uh, involved in sports, Boy Scouts and uh, church. And after, you know, you know, or at the end of my high school time, uh, my buddy and I would try to decide what we wanted to do. And uh, we both eventually joined the military and I spent 12 years in the military of the U S army. And
0: uh, I love hearing everybody's recruiting story. So tell me the day that you walked into the recruiter.
1: Well, it was actually a decision that uh, my friend, AJ and I, we made uh, together. We, we, uh, we actually were deciding what we wanted to do. And I was thinking, you know, like maybe we should do some college, you know? And he was like, no man, have you heard of the army Rangers? And I was like, no, you know, sorry. All of my army ranger friends. Um, I didn't, you know, I was 17 at the time and, uh, you know, it wasn't a military town at all, small town in Oklahoma. And, uh, so anyways, uh, we played rock, paper, scissors to determine our future. And so he won, we both joined the army. And so we both, uh, walked into, uh, the recruiter's office, uh, it was actually in a town, uh, a neighboring town because our small our town was so small it didn't have any recruiter you know station or anything like that um so yeah it was uh it was interesting and, and you know because i was an eagle scout i i was able to join as an e2 instead of an e1 so that so was pretty you, okay, cool so, so if you
0: would have lost what would have your choice have been
1: uh so it would have been college some okay. college and uh we were thinking of this uh i can't remember if it, it's called haskell I don't know if it's university or high school college, uh, but it's a, yeah, it's a, I think it's a college in, in Kansas. Uh, they have a lot of Native American uh, students there. So that's probably what we would have done, uh, maybe, but who knows?
0: <laughs> so you, Now, um, Robert Garcia had a question to ask, and of course, I'm going to ask you to answer it when you get to that part. But what was the hardest part of selection?
1: Yeah, so uh for those that don't know, um they're referring to Special Forces assessment and selection. It's about a two year um training if you or, or special for- or selection is actually uh, about three weeks, twenty-four days or so. Um and it's a really grueling um selection process to you know, the first step of becoming a Green Beret. Special Forces Green Beret. And so, you know, there there's a lot of difficult parts, there's a lot of uh stressful moments. Uh, but I think looking back, it was uh during Team Week. And Team Week is basically uh you have your your um selection ODA, so to speak, uh usually about ten ten guys, and uh you're basically put in the middle of nowhere and you have a whole bunch of like stuff, you know, all these like things, um like this these heavy things that you gotta move around and you gotta not only move it around, you have to build some kind of contraption or some kind of like device to move, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds of something. And there's all different types of exercises. This particular one, it was called Downed pilot. And uh, so it was a duffel bag filled with cement. And I don't know how much it weighed, but it had to have weighed, you know, four or 500 pounds or something like that. Super, super heavy. And so we had, um, you know, a lot of, or we had guys had the pole, these poles. And if you can imagine this, um, that were, uh, on the stretcher. So we had a stretcher and then we put two poles on the one pole on the front, one pole on the back. And, and basically we, uh, we using those poles as to, to like carry the, the extended stretcher, so to speak. And on the stretcher, of course, was the down pilot, the, the concrete duffel bag. And so, uh, we had two, uh, teams within this, um, we had two down pots that we had to move for the, for this particular time. And, uh, so we would rotate out. So there'd be four guys, you know, one in the upper front or uh, upper left, upper right, lower, lower left, lower right, or back left, back, back, right. And so anyways, we would, uh, we'd move down the the path and we would, uh, you know, extremely heavy. And, um, and then we had a, a rotation going, and so we had four guys and then we had one guy that was taking a rest and he would take a rest, maybe 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and then he would swap out the next guy. And so we would keep on going and we would just kind of do that rotation. Well, at, during this this movement, because we had to move from point A to point B uh, in the sand, and um, one of the guys just fell out and uh, like literally just dropped and because it was too much for him. And so then we had all this weight uh, um, on three guys, and then we had one, um, one corner, not supported, and so this was like this like moment where like you look back and it was just like everything was in slow motion because it was so grueling for uh, just that moment, and you were just like, man, you know, I might just, you know, I should just quit, you know, this guy quit, you know, and 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 this thing, all these thoughts are happening in like microseconds. And it was just like, man, you know, he's he quit. I'm, this is tough. This is really stressful. I'm already tired. I'm already sore. And, you know, that was the moment where I was like, no, I got to keep going. And so it didn't matter what happened in the next you know, five seconds, 30 seconds. I knew that I wasn't going to quit. And I knew that that was a powerful turning point for me personally, because it was a, it was a firm decision that no matter what happened, what doesn't matter what other people did that I decided for myself that I was never going to quit, you know? So if there was another guy that was going to, you know, fall out and, you know, we dropped everything, everything, it wasn't, wasn't because of me. So, uh, that was probably the most grueling part. Uh, although there were a lot of other mentally, um, stressful moments during those 24 days.
0: Now, since the last time we've talked, I've had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of operators, You know, a couple Navy SEALs, a couple Rangers, Delta Force. And you guys have a different, (coughs) excuse me, a different mentality where, um, you know, like I was talking to John McCaskill and we were talking about when he went through buds, you know, and you think it's the PT guy, the PT stud that's going to make it through it. (laughs) And it's the guy that looks like an accountant that actually ends up making it because he has a stronger, uh, the mentality that I'm not going to quit mentality. So did you find that also, that it was the I'm not going to quit mentality that got you through everything?
1: Yeah, I think bottom line, that was the the single most uh, powerful mindset that anybody that has passed probably has. Um, What motivated them to have that mindset, you know, differs from guy to guy. Um, But, you know, what it boils down to, I think, is this um, a lot of people look at Special Forces, Special Operations Forces, operators, and they look at them as, you know, just one or two or three attributes, you know, like super strong, super fit, you know, super X, Y, Z. And in my experience, it's those that are uh, extremely well-rounded. And in each area of life, they perform at a very, very high level. So they don't need to be, you know, not every Special Forces Green Beret or Navy SEAL, can be like an Olympic athlete, although the, you know, every operator is nearly at that level. Um, But it's the more about the well-roundedness. It's about how do you uh, become mentally, spiritually, physically, you know, strong and to be able to endure nearly any situation that you find yourself because, you know, when you're overseas, doesn't matter if it's combat or sensitive type of mission, you know, there's a lot of stresses. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of, uh, situations where you have no idea what's going to be the outcome. And so you have to think quickly on your feet. You have to be physically tough. And you have to also work well as a team, you know. And so it's it's this well-roundedness aspect that I think that, um, is the most successful operators.
0: Now, you know, like I said, I've talked to now a lot of different operators. I just talked to Rich DeVinny this week. And it's amazing how almost everybody I've talked to, that they have the theory that, you know, readers are leaders. So have you always been a reader? Have you always been somebody that absorbed knowledge like that?
1: No, actually, uh it was, you know, a lot of people wait until they have an experience to change their life. And I was no different. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't read at all. You know, I was, I was notorious for not reading um in high school. And even the first, I think, year or two, uh, about a year and a half as I was in the military. And basically, you know, what it boiled down to is I had an experience while I was stationed in Germany, which is my first duty station. And uh, my grandma came in and visited and uh, we did a Euro trip. And one of our first stops was in Switzerland. And we were at this restaurant called Swiss Churchy. And uh, we we're just having a good time, you know, me and my grandma. And then we start, started a conversation with this older couple next to us. And a lot of things happen. They talk about politics, traveling, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and me, I was, I think I was 18 at the time and uh, or almost turning 19 or something. And um, I was like, man, like, I don't know anything. Like I, you know, they're talking about all this stuff. I never heard of it. I don't know how to contribute. And that was the point where I decided to start learning for real, you know, and, to me it didn't matter about a degree. it wasn't really about you know learning from you know any type of like specific thing, but it was what did I want to learn? what did I want to know be knowledgeable about and so that was my journey of you know starting to uh learn just for for my own uh personal goals and uh you know after I passed election, you know I joined the uh, special for- special forces qualification course. Uh, which is about a two-year process. And that's when I started really reading. And that's where I first read the book, Four Hour Work Week," which is one of the most profound books for me because it planted a seed that I could design my life. I, so, love, I love Tim Ferriss. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So now you did, you said 12 years?
1: Yeah, 12 years.
0: So, you know, most people think, all right, you know, I get to that. You know, once you hit the 10-year mark, it's kind of like, uh, well, it's either shit or get off the pot. So what was that like at that 12-year mark when you decided, all right, onto something, onto something different?
1: Well, you know, it was uh, listening to that, that inner voice, you know, that a lot of us subtly hear, but we don't take action on it. And, uh, you know, I was at a point in my life where I had done the things in the military that I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I did the deployments, I did the missions, I did the traveling, the exploration, the adventures and all that stuff. I was like, okay, this is what I wanted to get out of the military, so to speak. And, uh, you know, but I felt that calling of there's something bigger than myself. There's something bigger than this chapter even. And so I had to, you know, make a tough decision, you know? And, uh, so, so my wife and I, you know, we made, made the decision together and, uh, you know, we just decided to get out at 12 years. And, you know, I know a lot of our family at the time um, was like, exactly like, well, you did 12 years, all you got to do is eight more years until you retire, and then you have a paycheck for the rest of your life. You know, and I, uh, you know, that's respectable. And that's, uh, you know, a journey that many people go on. And that's their their journey, but it wasn't mine. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that I decided to do what I did and, you know, be in the position I am now.
0: You know, and what I, you know, like I said, I've talked to an now Now we're at the hundreds of episodes now. Um, and when I talk to a lot, of, you know, because a lot of people that listen, you're going to listen to this are veterans or entrepreneurs or vetrepreneurs. They're going to, there's both. A lot of them don't have that hard conversation at the kitchen table, talking to their significant other. They wait until it, stuff gets too bad and then they have that hard conversation. So do you think it made it a lot easier because you had that hard conversation to start off with that you didn't have to go back. You know, they say sometimes it's, it's better to, you know, ask for forgiveness, you know, so, but you actually sat there and talked to your wife and, and planned your future together. Do you think that's something that entrepreneurs kind of fail sometimes to do?
1: Yeah, I think uh, prolonging the inevitable, you know, and uh, I mean, that's exactly what our book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha addresses is that, is that inner voice, you know, who are you? How do you interact in the world, and what do you really, really want to do? Because the longer you prolong that, the longer you're gonna you're find yourself in struggle. You're gonna find yourself doing things that that you don't really like to do. Find you, finding yourself doing things that don't fill your cup, so to speak, fill your soul. And so I think by just having that hard and, and sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's not as hard, uh, but having that hard conversation of what do I really want to do? And what do we really want to do? You know, if you have a significant other and just to have a, an open dialogue and allowing the truth to fall out because um, the more open, the more um, freely you can share your inner thoughts and that inner voice, the easier it is for your significant other to know where you're coming from. And I think that, in order to make powerful decisions, especially in a timely manner, it is uh, it requires the truth, you know, your truth. And whenever you extract your truth and your significant other extracts their truth, all the cards are on the table. And then, and then you're left with, OK, let's let's make a the best decision for the both of us. And I think that the faster people can do that, whether that's, um, you know, life, business, entrepreneurship, you know, whatever it is, then. The, the faster they're going to step into their greatness.
0: So now tell us about when, what year you joined, you know, or when you joined the Vetrapreneur tribe and then talk to us about how you and Steven, my brother, Stephen Eugene Kuhn, um, you guys got together.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'd have to look at the records because I'm sure it's in the Facebook group, but it was like uh, June or July, uh, 2017. I think it was, it was pretty recent or pretty early on. Okay. And, uh, I was, I was in Panama at the time, the country. And, uh, you know, I just joined because I had just left the military and was looking for, you know, to hang out with veterans and, and, uh, entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. And so that's when I joined. And, um, I can't remember exactly what year it was, uh, several years ago, Stephen had posted something, um, he said something along the lines of, Hey, I, I went to Peru and, you know, attended a masculine awakening ceremony. And so I, I was like, because they were talking about I was Ay- like,
0: Ayahuasca and all that. So I remember that post. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Hmm, that is very interesting. And, you know, I had, you know, of course been in the military and of course, special forces has this kind of, uh, allure to it about, you know, being an alpha and going after and getting it and high performance and all this kind of stuff. But yet I had always held on to this kind of uh, humility side, this culture side, this, you know, being able to, uh, you know, read people, you know, and and not have that harsh uh, ruggedness about me. Even though, I I mean, I absolutely had it and I've definitely uh, polished myself since then, since those days. Um, But that was whenever Stephen and I started chatting. Long story short. Uh, My wife and I decided to go down to Peru. Stephen was able to join. We had a a couple other people join us, and we had a really profound, powerful experience. And uh, which, by the way, I don't know when this is airing, but uh, Stephen and I are actually heading down to Peru uh, very soon. Uh, But that was the first time that we met in person uh, down in Peru, of all places in the world, (laughs) two veterans. And um, so we had a really incredible time, and that was whenever we started. Uh, you know, feeling each other out and saying, you know what, I really like your style. I like, like what you stand for. I like the principles that you live by. And, and I like the vision that you're pain, painting yourself for the future. And it was a very complimentary relationship from the get go. And uh, I know a lot of people, uh, we still continue to talk about it this day, but a lot of people, you know, look at Steven and I on the external and they say, how are these guys business partners? How are these guys co authors? How are these guys brothers? You know, it's like they're very different guys. On the, on the outside on the external but our operating system within is the humble alpha and it would take you know a full year for us to dissect our entire lives the principles that we live by you know the stories that resulted because of those principles and to put it all into action steps that is now the, the book unleash your humble alpha which is also now a college course which is also Several other things in the works and uh, which we can't wait to start to uh, announce, but it's not quite ready yet.
0: You know, Now, like I met you guys personally when at Nick in D.C., and I think that, you know, that event, I think, catapulted a lot of the vetpreneurs to where they are now. So can you tell us about the importance of that event to you? Because for me, it was life changing. Oh, 100 the- percent.
1: Yeah, it was a yeah, the military influencer conference in Washington DC was was great um because Stephen and I had an idea to um, gather the Vetpreneur tribe in, for for the first time since we were the leaders of it uh in person in an in-person event because uh most people know but if if they don't the Vetpreneur tribe is mostly online as it stands now um and especially with COVID we we have been able to do a lot of events in person uh that will change in the future for sure. But being uh, around uh, you know a whole bunch of veteran entrepreneurs entrepreneurs in person was a really pro- uh, powerful experience and uh, just just to you know meet each other you know there's so many people that i had met online had conversations conversations with like via zoom or phone call or interacted with in the facebook group and to be able to meet them in person was just a really profound and powerful and beautiful experience. And uh, I know so many other relationships were fostered uh, because of that event. And uh, we can't wait to um, have another Vetpreneur event very soon.
0: Yeah, you know, like that, it totally changed my life. It totally changed the perspective on, on, on everything that I was doing. Um, but now tell us, you know, a lot of people think, okay, I'm just going to write a book and you're and you sit down in front of your computer and start writing. That's not how writing a book actually goes. So tell us about your experience, because a lot of times it's hard enough being the author, but then also being a co-author. It, sometimes it sounds like it's a little bit harder, but it might be a little bit easier because you can bounce ideas off each other.
1: Yeah, so for us, we did a uh, kind of a unique type of way to write the book. Um, we did it kind of in, in several stages. Um, and we we broke down the the, the different steps um, and, the, and the different teaching points that we wanted to share. And what we really did is we we sat down and got interviewed. Stephen and I were interviewed by by somebody, and we were able to tell our story, tell the principles that we live by, tell the examples, and tell the action steps in our own words via voice. And so we all can't help but express who we are. The way we express is differentiated. So that means that when I speak, I tap into a different neural pathway within myself and I have a different vocabulary. I have a different way of approaching how I talk and how I speak and how I articulate. So voice, you know, speaking has, has a very profound, beautiful way of expression. And so that's what we use for, for the interview process. And so they took the interviews, they uh, transcribed it into text, and then we had a few editors go through it and kind of uh, beautify, beautify it, so to speak and then we were able to do another, another round of, of editing, so to speak, um, by, by the written word. And so whenever we type, uh, that is also an expression and we can also tap into different neural pathways when we write, when we type. And so we were able to get more of a full spectrum expression of what we wanted to share with this book. And that was exactly you know how we did it. And, uh, you know it's it was it worked really well for us, especially because you know it was uh you know two two different authors and our uh our friend holly she was uh really instrumental in really taking the the core of what we said, adding you know exactly the spice or the specific words that just really needed to you know be added without losing the the essence of what we were trying to say so Um, Yeah. And of course, there was a lot of other smaller things that happened, but those were the the macro steps.
0: Now, you know, like I told you, and I did a couple posts in a group, the, the first couple pages of the book changed my whole life. It was just around the time where I got injured and I went blind and I was able to see a little bit. But when I got to read that part where it said you have to sit down and say, who are you really? That was totally life changing. So your book and and Stephen's book has actually changed my whole life and perspective on my life. So for me, it's a big life changer. And the biggest life changer is I got it on audio and I'm able to listen to it over and over again. So what kind of um, feedback have you gotten on your book and your audio book?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been every single day, somebody's messaging either Stephen or I uh, about, you know, Hey, this happened. I really got clarity on this, you know, it's such a powerful book. Um, you know, we've had several people uh, buy the book for, you know, 10 people, you know, like, on, and there's a lot of people on Clubhouse that, uh, you know, Steven's really active on Clubhouse and one of the bigger groups, the Breakfast with Champions. And, uh, you know, so many influencers with even within that, that club or that room, um, are just speaking volumes on it. And they're saying, you got to get this book, you know, and it's such a, You know, because it's such a foundational book that it really, you know, breaks it down to like, ask, you have to ask yourself some of the most important questions that you might have ever asked yourself in your entire life. You know, like you said, like, who are you really? And a lot of people, they succumb to the, to the answers that other people tell them. Teachers, parents, you know, random people on the internet, you know, gurus, you know, coaches, you know, they're, they're all well-meaning. But none of them can tell you who you are, and so they can they can point the direction, they can inspire you, they can give you some feedback, they can they can help you along the way, but they can't tell you definitively because we are who we decide, and that's the that's the first section of the of the you know, first official section of the book, you know, in section one, and but it's it's about being able to ask yourself these these fundamental questions. And then taking the time to answer them honestly, and when you do that, there's no place that you can't go because you're being honest with yourself. You're living by hit, and then you're you're taking action to realize that actual part about yourself that you've actually never known. Like
0: you know, like I said, I talked to a lot of people, and one of the biggest things I I hear from veterans is you know they get out of the military, say they were sergeant first class, so and so. When they get out, their whole life being sergeant first class so-and-so, but they don't know who they are. And then now you have to go rediscover who you are. Like my whole thing was being Sergeant Kaufman until I got medically discharged and I didn't know who Richard was. Then I had to find out who I was. So even if that person got your book and just got the first chapter, I think they'd be winning at life just by reading the first chapter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with titles. There's nothing wrong with roles. There's nothing wrong with, you know, you know, responsibilities and and ranks and stuff like that, because all those, once you identify who you really are without title, every single time that you have a title or a role or some kind of like, you know, responsibility, you can amplify that role in a meaningful way. So, you know, if you know exactly who you are as Richard, and then you become sergeant richard you know then you can make that rank that much more profound that much and bring that your personal leadership into the experience of of your unit your organization your team and that's a really powerful thing but it's you first and then you can add on the the titles All right and now we got
0: another question that just popped up from somebody it says what form of camera do you use to consistently take great pictures of landscapes <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, I just use my iPhone. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, but it's, but it's the, uh, it's not just the the camera. That's, that's half of the, um, that's half of the, um, formula, so to speak, you know, I, but it's, it's about being tapped into the moment and looking for beauty. You know, I'm always, you know, in this mode of like appreciation and, and seeing beauty all around me. And I, I just can't help but just take a picture of whatever I, I'm seeing right in front of me. And then, you know, sometimes I share it, sometimes I don't, you know, but it's, uh, you know, but it's the camera is half of it, but it's the the one who holds the camera is also. All right, Mr. Nick component. Page,
0: there's your answer. Uh, but now one thing I was going to mention, the pictures that you do take, you know, I've known you, I, I guess we're going on three, four years, five years, something like that. I've never seen you take a picture in front of a car or mansion that's never been you you've always been talk you know it's always about either being going somewhere doing something or just being present in the moment so can you please talk about being present in the moment and quality of life
1: yeah so quality of life for me is to fully appreciate and enjoy every single moment of your life no matter how you find that moment you know so if you're if you're at work if you're in business, if you're hanging out with your family, if you're by yourself, whatever it is that you're doing, that you are enjoying it to the utmost. And what that means, you know, in the in the you know kind of as you reverse engineer that is that you are very intentional about your life. That means that you know the the activities that you you know, occupy all your time, the type of work that you do, the people that you hang out with are is all very intentional to where You know that if I set up and design my life, you know, like going back to the Tim Ferriss thing, that that no matter what I do, that I am no matter how I find myself in my life, that I'm enjoying it because I've I've intentionally set that intention of I want to be doing this kind of work with this kind of people doing these kinds of things, you know. And so, you know, for me, experience is is the, the most exciting and rewarding thing in life. You know, because, you know, there's there's a lot of great things that you can have, you know, and obtain, but it's about the experience. And and oftentimes even more important than than just the experience itself is who you're experiencing it with, you know, good friends, brothers, sisters, family, you know, people that are on the journey with you and to be able to share a beautiful, powerful moment with them along your journey and, and along their journey. Man, I, I for me just don't I get love that. Me.
0: Now, of course, we're going to talk about business now because you know you're a businessman. Now you're you know in a lot more. You got your hands in a lot of different things, but you know it seems that in our tribe, you know a lot of people when they get out of the military, they want to start a t-shirt company, a hat company, coffee company, or liquor company. Within six months, they're ten thousand dollars in debt and don't know what the hell just happened. So how can a person, when they get out of the military, if they want to start a business, what are some of the things that they should do before they even start a business?
1: Read Unleash Your Humble Alpha. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's true, though, because it's it, when you know who you are, how you interact in the world and what you really want to do, then the business starts to formalize right in front of you. It starts to crystallize. And because so many people, like you said, they want to do three or four different types of these things, you know, shirts, merchandise, alcohol, whatever it is, but that's not really who they are. And so because it's not who they really are, then the the meaning behind it, the purpose behind it, the drive behind it, the ambition, the energy behind all of that, that makes makes it almost a requirement for an entrepreneur to be successful because you have to have those elements in most cases. Um, in order for success to, you know, reach them. Because when you're you, when you don't, we're not doing anything that, that, or when you're doing something you don't like to do, you're just not going to put as much effort in it. You're not going to have as much energy and you're not going to come up with the, the innovative ideas or the solutions that that you're looking for because you're just not into it. And if you're trying to force something, there's always going to be this friction of like, well, I'm just doing this so I can get to something else, you know, well, the Humble Alpha book talks about bypassing all the I should do's in life, all the in-between goals to get to the real goal that I really want. And so by understanding, you know, fundamentally who you are, how you interact in the world and what you want to do, it makes the, the business that you want to start that much easier. To okay, identify. So
0: now because, you know, we talk about the book and, I, and I, I love the book and I love the audio version. So, you know, I'm a big fan. Um, when somebody the first time somebody hears humble alpha, you're thinking, OK, wait a minute. Those are two totally different things. So what is the definition of a humble alpha?
1: Yeah, so in the book, there's about three pages of uh, description or attributes of a humble alpha. And it's 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 this um, interesting dichotomy of um, almost opposites, you know, but, you know, being able to have this powerful knowing within you and that's, that's this, uh, this nuclear power within you and knowing that within yourself, but not having to express it, not having to shout it on the rooftops, you know, and that's the humility part. It's this invisible presence that is saying, this is exactly who I am. I know exactly what I, what I want to do and I'm doing it. And then the alpha part, is the element of action. It's the al- element of quarterbacking. It's the element of leadership. And so whatever the moment calls for, that is what dictates the action that I take. It dictates the, the quarterbacking that I need to give in that moment or the tasks that I need to you know to, to give out or the leadership that I need to uh, express, whatever it is in that moment that's what I that's what I need to do. And that's what I do. And and but all other times, I'm just me being me, I don't need to prove the, to the world, you know, everything that I know, that I, I know all this, this, this and this. It's about where am I going? And what do I need to do in this moment? And other than that, it's about enjoying my quality. Yeah, and of life. I love
0: that, you know, and I try to be a big reader. And one of the One of the biggest things I got out of your book, it was kind of like Jesus. You know, Jesus in the Bible, it says he was meek. And if you look up the word meek, it says power under control. So I can understand how, you know, what you guys are talking about, you know, about the humble alpha. And one of the parts that really moved me in the book was the confrontation that Stephen had with a little girl and how it changed him inside and I thought, you know, wow, you know, somebody to put, to be able to put something like that out on paper, it takes a, a bigger man to put something, you know, to actually, you know, like he talked about, you know, the hit principle, to be able to put your your actual feelings out there and not being afraid of being vulnerable sometimes. And I think that's one thing about you and Steven that, you know, you guys, you guys are um, great guys, but you're also, uh, you're not afraid of being vulnerable sometimes. You're not always you don't feel like you always have to be on or always have to be
1: whoa whoa. you know what I mean? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, and that's the part of the, uh, you know, the dance of life is that, you know, being able to sink in and appreciate the down moments, you know, because it's not all, you know, awesome. It's not all great. It's not all positive. You know, it's a full spectrum of life. And you know, but it's what you do. In those down moments it's what you do when you're sad or when you have an off day or when you have an off moment during an interview or whatever you know so it's it's not about always being you know positive it's about living fully and how do you live you know even in those moments of you know sadness and it's just you know for me it's about just feeling it fully understanding it and appreciating it and then allowing allowing it to just kind of dissipate in a natural timeline so to speak because it's there for a reason and it's part of me you know the sadness that i might be feeling but i'm just taking it all in and allowing myself to appreciate it because you know without the sad moments it's very difficult for us to know what a peak happy moment feels like you know that contrast allows us to really appreciate e- even more the good stuff okay we now
0: we're going to go back to business just for a few minutes Um, You know, Ryan and his wife have, you know, disgruntled veterans, which is a big organization. Um, You guys have the tribe, which I think, like I said, I've been there from day one and I love it. But, you know, the tribe was once owned by somebody else. We're not going to mention his name, all that. But you guys took over and now it's growing. So for some people that are in business, what are some things to do on social media and certain things not to do
1: social media? Uh, well, first of all, I'm not the the social media expert, um, especially in a business uh, setting. But, you know, I think that, you know, understanding who you are behind social media, who you are as a person and who you are as a company, uh, understanding, you know, what your vision and mission is, your value proposition, and, you know, what you stand for as a company, uh, those are the root of of expression, you know? And so when you have that figured out, it's much easier to apply the appropriate social media strategy, how to, you know, use email marketing, uh, other forms of advertising whether paid, page and being able to express that core of who you are, your vision and your mission for your company. Um, I think that, that a lot of uh, businesses don't look at that aspect. You know, they, they look at the, the structures, they look at the uh, SOPs, which are all very important but it's this invisible it's kind of like the humble alpha you know the most important part of you is this invisible part of you that it is undefined that greatness that is within everyone that that can't be defined in in a structure you know you can't say hey richard you know we can talk about how great you are in certain things that you've done but i can't like put my thumb on like why richard's so great because it's it's that potential of greatness that is the is is the uh, core of, you know, the the centerpiece of who we are. So just like the humble alpha is, you know, you have to figure out the humility first, the that your identity and your purpose, same thing with the business. And then once you have that figured out, it makes it that much easier for you to express, you know, in other ways, you know. And, you know, I think one thing
0: media. people, you know, start need to start working on a little bit more is, you know, that you are your brand. Like you are, you and Steven are the humble alphas. You know, you are the quality of life, you know. So when people think of the word quality of life, they think of you guys, you know, they, they think of when they hear a you know, humble alpha, they think of you guys. It's kind of like, you know, if Michael Jordan came out wearing an Adidas jumpsuit, you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> Where Michael is. So he is the brand and you guys are your brand. So do you see a lot of people they have businesses, but they don't have brand recognition?
1: well it works for us because yeah. we actually mm-hmm. live it you know and it, there's a lot of people out there that are incongruent with who they are and the message message that they're trying to share because it it will always you know have this friction of like well you know why why is he saying that but then i see what he's really doing you know and once that friction is started you know and identified you know by an audience you know it's it's much more difficult to um, backtrack and gain you know authentic authority, because there's already been an incongruence, and that trust has already been kind of broken, even though it may not have been malicious or you know lying, but it 's about congruency, and the more that you as a person are congruent with you and your business, you know your own personal identity and purpose is in alignment with your your company's vision and mission. Well, once those things, those two are married up, you know, it makes it that much more potent for you to get your message across, for people to listen to you, to start a movement if that's what you want, or to just uh, increase right, brand now, awareness. A
0: couple more things, and like I said, I hope I'm not holding you up too too long. Um, but you know, a lot, there's a, we're talking a lot of people going to be listening to this, so I wanted to get the word out. Now, you know, you open up a business. Now, I, I've been so guilty of this, and Stephen actually had to step me straight. At Mick. So I want to thank him for that, first of all. I was trying to pray and spray. I was trying to be everything to everybody and reaching no one. So, talk to us about niching down to where, like you said, we're not using the whole pray and spray principle, but having to niche down to be able to hit your target.
1: Yeah, niching is uh, a really critical piece, especially if you're a startup or in the beginning stages of businesses. Because, like you said, you know, if you don't, if you're trying to talk to everybody, you're talking to nobody. And uh, one of the 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 best exercises or best uh, ways that I can describe it is that whatever problem that you're solving for your customer, one, figure that out because that's really important. But two. It's the journey that you are helping them on, you know, because it it is you as a business owner, you're the guide, you know, you, you know, and, and, uh, story brand, you know, the book, uh, is a, is a great example. Like you are the guide. You're going, you're walking them through a a powerful hero story. Uh, but you aren't the hero. You were the guide. And so what part of the customer's journey are you helping them with? And once you get very specific on that, it's like you're you're grabbing their hand and you're gonna walk them seven steps. You know, whatever those seven steps are you are for you and your business and the problem that you solve for the specific customer that, that you're targeting, those seven steps are the most critical things that you can define because it's those small tiny moments. It's the it's the language that you use, it's the vocabulary, it's the meaning behind the vocabulary, it's the the situations that you can emulate or that you can convey the message that you understand where they're coming from and where they want to go. And you probably are able to do it in a more articulated uh, definition and message than what they know themselves. And whenever you're able to articulate it that well, they're going to be like, well, wow, I didn't know I had that problem, but they already knew I did. So wow, I already trust them. And then, oh, by the way, you're congruent with who you are and how you interact in the world, and that aligns with, with your vision and mission for your company. Wow, I mean, that's a potent thing, you know? So whatever journey that you're taking your customer on, and it may just be a very small journey, that it may be, you know, if it's coffee, you know, just think about, like, the 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 30 minutes it takes to make a cup of or coffee. Not Not the exact, like, 30 minutes, but, like, the, the 15 minutes leading up to the cup of coffee, you know, what will make that moment special, the messaging on, on the packaging, you know, the type of packaging, you know, how you, how the coffee arrived to you if it's a delivery, you know, and the the act of creating this cup of coffee, whether it's filtered or whether it's French press or, you know, drip or whatever it is. And then the after effects, you know, like, okay, you know, is you know, it's this whole journey of drinking a cup of coffee. But the more that you can can really sink into that moment, that situation, you're going to be able to speak a very specific language, articulate a message. that They're going to be like, man, there's a lot of other cool coffees out there. But, man, they just really know how to talk to me about my my coffee, you know. And, uh, you know, so it's it's really about that little journey that you're, that you're taking the customer on.
0: The last two questions that I ask everybody that I have on, how do we find you? How do we find how can we order your book? um how can we order your your swag
1: yeah so uh if you want to get the book you can go to humbleoffabook.com uh if you are uh interested but you don't want to buy just yet you can scroll down to the bottom and get a free excerpt and uh you'll get a feel for the book uh if you're already ready to buy the book it's also available available on Amazon it's available on Audible it's available on iTunes available on kindle um if you want to get a hold of steven or i uh you can you know, find us on instagram um steven's at Stephen eugene coon i'm at increased freedom and you can just shoot us a dm uh, you know we're still uh very available currently and uh you can also uh hit up hit us up on humble alpha club uh where you can connect with us on other places uh we do uh, we're on clubhouse and uh yeah, we're just excited to uh, get the Humble Alpha message out there and uh, a lot of wonderful, powerful uh, things that are happening in the veteran space. Um, so one one message that I do want to share with every veteran that's listening to this right now is that there is a veteran movement of empowerment happening as we speak. That veterans that have once identified as, you know, trauma, PTSD, um, other forms of like not not uh, finding service after service, um, we're changing the game on that. We're creating an, an entire ecosystem of veteran empowerment, and it starts with us vetpreneurs. You know, right now here in 2021, and the biggest ask that Stephen and I have is to really sink in who you are, how you interact in the world, and what you really want to do, because. There's an entire ecosystem that we're creating of veteran entrepreneurship, veteran employment, veteran healing, veteran media, and all those things that are that are around that and where you fit in is exactly where you should fit in, but it has to be in alignment with who you are, how you interact in the world, and what you really want to do so that's uh you know to all the veterans out there a lot of amazing things are happening, so be sure to stick you know, with the Vet Printer tribe, uh, stick with the Humble Alpha. Steven and I have a lot of amazing announcements that are coming in the, in the, in the next couple of weeks. So please prepare yourself uh, because it's about to get crazy, wildly awesome. So
0: last question, um, you know, we live in such a crazy world now with COVID and we have a lot of parents that are being teachers and we got everything going on. So if I ask somebody to do something in seven days, they're pretty much never gonna get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step, they're more likely to take it in the next 24 hours. So if somebody is struggling in their life, whether it's business or, or whether it's personal, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start the right, the ship?
1: Sit down for 15, 20 minutes and remove all distractions. And whether it's, you know, on a, on a computer or on a notepad and ask the question, what do I really want? And then just start writing for 10, 15 minutes and be as honest as you can be because a lot of people wait until something tragic happens. They wait until you know, some kind of accident or big transition in life where they're almost forced to ask themselves what they really want. And today is a perfect day for you to ask what you really want. And once you, once you have that honest answer, that's like 70% of it. Yes, there's work. Yes, there's action to take, but once you are aware of what you really want in life or a, a really good start of what you want. Then you can start taking action. You can find the right people that are going to help you because you're going to be able to attract the people that have already done that or done something very similar. And then you can ask them, hey, what do you what do you think I should do or how did you do that? And of course, you know, listen to their feedback, but formulate your own answers and formulate your own your next action steps. So, that uh, was, I would say that that would be the well. There the you thing go, guys. Recommend.
0: Definitely check out the book. Um, like I said, I love the book, I love the audio version. The book took me about two months to read because, uh, like I said, I'm 80% blind, but I, I love the book, I love your mission, guys. If you get a chance, check out Disgruntled Veterans, a great outfit. They're actually having Disgruntled Fest coming up soon. Um, check them out if you're a veteran. Check out the Vetrapreneur Tribe with Stephen and Lane and guys I just want to say thank you Uh, lane. You know, I always consider you a friend and a family member and I'm so excited for the things you guys have coming up and whatever I can do to help promote it. You know, I will.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for doing what you're doing. And uh, like I've, I've told you many times, you know, you have such a heart of gold and I know that you're never going to quit and you're going to make a lot of effective change in the world and you're already doing it. So just keep on doing what you're already doing. And, And, uh, thanks for, you know, supporting the Ventpreneur tribe and Humble Alpha. If you talk to Stephen today, let him
0: know I want him to come on this new show. All right, brother. Well, God bless you and have a great week. I will let him
1: know for sure.